Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we're so glad, Lord, that we have this time to come set aside as a different day than all other days to worship you, Lord. It's our Sabbath. And it's in you we find that rest. So, Lord, speak. Let our hearts be open. Father, we want to be made changed because we met you here this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're continuing in our series, uh, 40 Days of Community. And uh, last week we started with Growing Together. And it's God's ordained principle that all living things grow. And I just want to give you a snapshot real quick. The reason that we're talking about 40 days of community, because I think that it's imperative that we understand how important community is and how important it is that we break off isolation and, 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 and ways that we've separated ourselves, but how we need one another. And the reason we're walking through that is because we're going to grow stronger together, that we recognize that it's the body of Christ made up of the people of God, and we're called together. And, and last week we talked about that growing together, and it's God's ordained principle that living things grow. And my hope is in the church that everyone is continuing on a pathway of discipleship, of growth, that we never fully arrive, but that we're continuing to grow in the fullness of who Jesus is, that that sanctification process is just ongoing, and we daily fall more in love with who Jesus is. And that encounter each and every day transforms us and changes us as a result. And we can't do that alone, but we do that together. We make up the body of Christ, and we're those healthy organisms that need to grow and regrow stronger together. The scripture reminds us about that one another, and that on and on and on, that we're reminded through the New Testament, we need one another. That it's not by yourself, and the one another, we love one another, serve one another, accept one another, instruct one another. We're patient, kind, compassionate, one another, one another. And we got to get that in our hearts and in our heads of what that means and how important that is for one another, and that we grow stronger together. And then this week we're going to talk about fellowship together and why that's important. Fellowship together is how we share our knowledge, trials, and victories living out our faith in Christ together. That we share in our knowledge, trials, and victories, and we live out this relationship with Jesus together. The word fellowship implies a relationship. And we can't be in a relationship with ourselves. It takes two, right? If you start telling someone you're in a relationship with someone else and there is no one else, you're going to have to go see a doctor. Because apparently that someone else doesn't exist. But that it takes two or more. And I think for us that, that if we are understanding what that word fellowship means and that it takes two or more to form a relationship, it implies this relationship, then the first thing we need to do is break off our relationship with ourselves and start seeing other people. That, that, that I got to break through that very thing in my life and welcome that into my life. See, fellowship starts first with our relationship with Christ. Second, with one another. That it begins in that relationship who Jesus is. And it's our shared relationship with Christ 
that brings us into fellowship together. That's what unites us. That's what brings us together. So first I want to look at this vertical fellowship and what that means. And vertical fellowship is this, is our communion and fellowship with the Lord through word, prayer, worship, and sacraments. It is the filling of the Holy Spirit in an abiding life. That's, that's what we're called. This vertical fellowship has everything to do with a relationship with Jesus. And it begins there, of that, what that, that we're in communion with him, we're in fellowship with him, and we find that fellowship with him in, in word and prayer and, and, and worship and sacrament, and it begins there. Then we're called to live this abiding life, this life that we're grafted into a relationship with Jesus, in communion with Jesus, in fellowship with Jesus. And we read today in John chapter 3 the story maybe we're familiar with with Nicodemus. And, and we know Nicodemus is a Pharisee and he sneaks out in the middle of the night to go see Jesus and he sneaks out in the middle of the night because he didn't want to, see the, he didn't want to let the other Pharisees see what he was doing because they were there to keep Jesus in check. But I have to believe that somewhere along the way Nicodemus had some questions that needed answering. That, 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 that there was something stirring in Nicodemus' heart. So he figured with that stirring and all that was going on, I know what I'll do. He came up with a game plan. I'll sneak out in the middle of the night and I'll go talk to this guy, Jesus, and I'll find out what these questions are going on in my heart. Being a Pharisee and knowing the law and a religious leader that, that yet there was questions unresolved for him, that, that he couldn't quite understand it. And the truth is he recognizes Jesus as a teacher, this teacher that comes from God. And he recognized it through his many signs and, 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 and things that were occurring in the midst of him, these wonders that were occurring. But what he doesn't recognize Jesus as is the Messiah. He, he hadn't put that together. See, it would have been fine if Jesus was just a prophet. It would have been fine if Jesus went into villages and miracles happened and all those things occurred and he was a prophet and he would have been elevated as this high prophet, one who miracles work through. But the game changer is when they recognized him to be the Messiah, the Lord, our Savior. So Jesus tells them, and they're having this evening discussion and he's getting his questions answered. And he tells him, to enter the kingdom, you must be born again of water and of spirit. And Nicodemus just can't fathom that. He can't understand it. He says to him, how can I start my life over again? That doesn't make any sense. Once you're born, you can't be born again of your mother's womb. Now here again, Nicodemus is stuck because he's stuck in his head knowledge, not, not his heart understanding. And because of his head knowledge and the information, he's going, that doesn't make any logical sense. Well, Jesus is not here just to capture your logic. He's here to get your heart. Amen. And he wants to capture your heart. Amen. And your heart will lead to your head. And that will transform your mind. And will renew it. And Nicodemus is having a serious problem putting all this together. He's trying to figure out what does this mean? mean that that you can't live your life over again you 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 can't just do that and and the truth is what Jesus is teaching is that Nicodemus all of humanity needs a do over because humanity has sinned and fallen short 
Humanity needs a massive do-over. Remember as a kid, we get do-overs. It used to work. We'd play wiffle ball or something out in the street, and you know, a bus would go by, the ball would hit the bus and bounce off. Go, oh, that don't count, it's a do-over. <laughs> and you start right over. Do you remember, we used to play, and, and like, you know, the second row of cars was a base hit, if you hit there, and then you created these boundaries. And I remember as a kid, and the stoop was, was the place for the strike zone. It had to be within those steps, and, and, and you would play. And a home run was over Mr. Casey's fence in his yard. And then none of us wanted to go get the ball. That was like, you know, no, you go, no, you go. Well, you hit it, well, you pitched it. I'm not going, you go. Does anyone have another ball? No, it's our only ball. Oh, all right, I go this time, you're going next time. And you'd go stealth mode. You'd go hide under the fence, flip over it, run in there, grab the ball. Like he was going to kill you or something. He might have. He wasn't happy the ball kept going in his fence. But we got these do-overs. And in video games, and, and, and those of us remember the 80s, and that was my era, and, 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 or really late 70s, and we had something called Atari before all these new games came out. And Atari simply had an on button, and, and then it had a joystick with one button, and you would play the games. And, and, and the problem was, as you were going along, we actually had things where it froze, and then you couldn't continue. And what would happen when you couldn't continue? You had to start over. And you couldn't do do over there, because if you do do over there, you had to start from the beginning. It didn't save your progress. You had to go all the way back. Now technology, they have it. It's like stopped right there. It saves all their progress. They don't know what we endured. <laughs> they have no idea the hours spent of trying to get back to that same place. Thumbs that were really swollen from. <laughs> but there was this do-over. And Jesus comes to bring the greatest do-over known to all of humanity. Jesus tells Nicodemus in John 3.16, and he didn't fully understand. He says, he's saying, Nicodemus, understand this. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have what church? Everlasting life. See, for us, it's when we believe that God loves us. That he sent his son Jesus to redeem us. That we repent. We turn. And when we turn, Jesus opens a pathway of eternal life. And it's in that moment we too become born again. It's our do-over. It's a, it's a moment to become that new creation that God redeems what was broken and makes whole again for our lives. And, and we don't maybe understand that terminology or, or how that word's used. And um, for me, it was those crazy guys, the televangelists that were on TV and all the people that watched them were the crazy born-again people. And 29 years ago, when I made a decision to accept Christ into my life, and I walked forward because I knew that I needed something else in my life, and Holy Spirit was working in my heart, that something, I didn't even know what overcame me. I didn't understand what was going on in that moment in my life, but I wanted to surrender my will for His will. And, and by surrendering, I wanted Him in my life, and, and I asked Him to come into my life, and I surrendered, and, and Jesus radically transformed my life in that moment, and I became born again, but I didn't understand the terminology. And later that day, when I got home and had brunch with my praying grandmother, who prayed me down that pathway, 
who met me there, and she said, you know, Brett, I want to tell you, you're a born-again Christian. I said, I absolutely am not. I signed up for nothing. I know this trick. Next thing you're going to do is ask me for money, right? That's the next gig. I've seen these things before. She just shook her head. I'll just keep praying for you. But understand what that do-over means, that we are born again in a relationship with Christ because of what he's done for us. Because of sacrifice that he's given us that we couldn't do in our own merit and work, but it's by grace that he gives us this gift of everlasting life. And we're called to have this vertical relationship in fellowship with the Lord. That's going up, that, that relationship that we're called. In 1 Corinthians 1.9 it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful, amen? And we were called into the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. We're called into this sweet fellowship. And once we have fellowship with the Lord, our Christian lives are lived out in fellowship together. But it starts in the vertical. And then the Christian life is, is, is fellowship together. And that's where we get the horizontal fellowship. That's when it goes this way. First it went up, just like the cross, now it goes out. And our horizontal fellowship is our communion and fellowship with the body of Christ, with other believers. That's the other component. See, the first time fellowship is mentioned in the scripture, it's in the Old Testament, it's in Leviticus, and there's a word there, and the way the word fellowship is used, it's translated to word that it means to make a deposit. That fellowship is going to make a deposit, and fellowship starts with a relationship before an activity. That it first begins in a relationship. And then it brings us together to share in our common needs. That's what fellowship together means. Fellowship is how we continue to grow together. And then we make a deposit into one another's lives. Because we are the body of Christ. It's not the building, it's the people. And you are the people of God. And as the people of God, we're called to build one another and fellowship together, first with the Lord vertically, then horizontally with one another. And that we continue to grow together. We continue to make a deposit into each other's lives, lifting one another up. Developing relationships with one another is desperately, desperately needed. It's needed, and, and we got to break through some things to do that. It's needed because it keeps our faith glowing and growing. It's in that fellowship with one another. It's, it's Christ in you that makes Christ brighter in me. It's Christ in you growing that makes me grow stronger. And that I can't do that on my own, but we do it together. 1 John 1.3 says, That which we've seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Surely you've heard. Surely you've seen. Surely this was declared to you, that you would hear the gospel message and come into the sweet fellowship, the communion together. And our fellowship is with the Lord. 
my hope and prayer is as we're building that fellowship with one another, as we're, as we're growing together as disciples in Christ, that there's a harvest out there that doesn't know that. There's a people about us that don't know that truth and don't know the pathway to eternal life. And they're hurting and they're in darkness and they're broken. And, and what we want to do is bring that message and that good news, what we know, what's been declared to us. And then we want to invite them into our fellowship. We want to invite them into our community. This is not a club. It's Christ's church. And all are welcomed in Christ's church. And we want to develop those relationships, invite those in. And there's three things that happen when we fellowship together. There's three things that happen. First thing is fellowship means being part of a community. That's, that's the first part. That, that when we fellowship together, what happens is that breaks through the isolation and the loneliness. That's what breaks it through. That when, when we, we are gathered and we're part of something bigger than us, that, that no longer am I alone, and I break through and I wind up now having these relationships in ways I didn't have it, but I've got to join to be part of that community. I've got to take that step forward and, and break through that isolation and break through that loneliness. And I do that by being part of a greater community, the body of Christ. Number two, fellowship means to share with one another things in common. Has anybody got 20 bucks I can borrow? No, I'm just kidding. To share with one another things in common. That's that fellowship. So what does that mean? If we're going to fellowship together to share in those things, those common things, how about sharing our interests with one another? Sharing our goals. Share your feelings, your belief, your activities. Share your privileges, your experiences, your concerns, your sorrows. That we're called to come together and, 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 and have in common, sharing with one another, one another those things in common. Third thing is fellowship means a partnership that causes us to work together and to care for one another. That we're, we're called as the body of Christ to come together into this partnership. And we're called to come and be, work alongside one another, to come together and work together with that, again, that one another and we come together, and 1 Corinthians 3.9 says this, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. That we are co-laborers in the harvest. Just picture this. Picture you owned 100 acres, and it was harvest time, and you were the only person who could go out and bring that harvest forward. We're not called to do it alone but that we're co-laborers in Christ. Now picture that same harvest is there. And if you don't have hundreds, if not thousands, of what kind of impact that has. But now you don't just have 100 acres. You have thousands upon thousands of acres that are ready and ripe for the harvest. And we're called to come and labor together, to partner together, because we're in fellowship together, that we don't have to do it alone. We do it with one another as those fellow workers together. See, we are the body of Christ. It's the people, not the steeple, right? And, and we're called in that relationship with who he is first and foremost, that my 
my vertical relationship is in check, that I know who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And, and as a result of that, I, I respond to that by being in a relationship in the body of Christ, that we fellowship together horizontally, that we come together and we work through. And that doesn't mean, that means we work through our hard stuff too, not just the easy stuff. That means we don't run from uh, our, 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 our disagreements, we press through them. That means we, we, we love one another because remember, we are human, and our humanity sins and falls short. But Jesus reminded, reminded us tough, love one another. <laughs> Figure that out. And then press in in that love and grow together in that love and, and come together in that love. And, and, and we're called together in that place as that community, as that body, but not just as a place for us to call you know, safe when we come in the doors of this building, but we want to be that community wherever we gather. Wherever we gather, we represent the body of Christ. And whenever we come together, he's present. And that we're that community of people. And there's a people out there that need to be part of this community. There's people out there, Jesus died so that they could come. And we're called to make the invitation and be part of that. But we have to do it together. Can't do it alone. It's all of us. It's fellowship together. We are the body of Christ. We are a community in Christ called to fellowship together. And to, we're called in this place to fellowship together. And as a result, we are better and stronger together than we'll ever be apart. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask right now that you would just teach us how to grow in that relationship with you first and foremost, Lord, that we lay aside any hindrances, anything that would keep us from surrendering fully to what it is that you want to do in our lives. And so help us grow in that. Help us grow in our relationship together, fellowship together. Teach us, Lord, what that looks like to grow stronger together. And you're here this morning and, and you don't have first that vertical relationship with Christ. And he's calling you. He gives you this moment, which we can, I can joke and say a do-over, but it is a do-over. I got a chance that I didn't believe I ever deserved to come into a relationship with who he is. And, and because I surrendered, he forgave me. And, and by grace, he saved me from the life I had and gave me a life I didn't deserve. But not just any life, an abundant life, an eternal life. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus that way, he's calling you first to fellowship with him. And if you'd like to come and fellowship with him, be in that relationship with him, I want to make that invitation for you right now to pray. And if you'd like to pray with me to know him that way, just raise your hand right now and we'll pray together. And we'll just ask the Lord in your life that way. So, Father, we pray for our families, for our children, grandchildren, our siblings, for our spouses, for our neighbors, those who might not know you that way, Lord. Teach us, Lord, um, how we could be that light in the midst of darkness, how we could share that good news. And, Father, we pray this day that their hearts would be open to receive who you are. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord.